0: Retropod is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. 50 years ago, a scientist named John Calhoun was working at the National Institute of Mental Health. Calhoun was a research psychologist, and oh did he love rats. Calhoun loved them so much that one day, in 1947, he asked a neighbor if he could build a rat colony on a quarter acre of vacant land behind his house. For some reason, the neighbor said yes, and so Calhoun built a massive rat city with room for as many as 5,000 rat citizens. This rat city was the beginning of an experiment that revolutionized the way we see human behavior. There are many oddities to founding a rat city, which Calhoun quickly discovered. For instance, Calhoun was surprised to find that even though there was room for 5,000 rats, the population, according to a 2009 Journal of Social History study, leveled off at a mere 150. He never could figure out why. So Calhoun decided to tweak his rat city to create a rat paradise, well actually a mouse paradise. Yep, Calhoun pivoted to an entirely new creature. From 1965 until 1973, Calhoun built and studied a mouse utopia. He created mice apartments in towers that resembled high-rises. He took steps to improve the colony's hygiene and reduce disease, just like, say, a health department director would in a human city. Calhoun gave them all the food they could want, and the ample feeding stations became gathering points for the mice to socialize. The mice were living in a perfect little world. And then something surprising happened in his mouse paradise. From eight original pairs of mice, the population skyrocketed until the colony became choked with mice. And as the population grew, the social order broke down until ultimately the entire rodent population collapsed. Dozens of young male mice, unable to find a place in groups dominated by others, became marauding gangs that attacked female and younger mice. Mothers abandoned their children or sometimes even attacked them. Infant mortality soared to as high as 96%. Other behaviors seemed even more bizarre. Groups of female mice, pied pipers Calhoun called them, blindly followed foreign objects, such as his shoes, no matter how many times the mice had encountered them. It was as if they were unable to learn. Other mice became what the study called dropouts, inert lumps of fur that withdrew from society altogether. Oddest of all, perhaps, were those Calhoun called the beautiful ones that spent their days obsessively grooming. Violence and agitation became commonplace until hardly a mouse could be found that wasn't speckled with blood its tail bitten and chewed. Calhoun's results captured the public's imagination in the mid-1960s, just as awareness was growing of the population explosion and the destruction humans had already done to their environment. His findings created a doomsday model of what might happen if human beings failed to slow population growth and his work suggested that evolution had given animals, perhaps including humans, a self-destruct button to prevent a species from overpopulating its habitat. Calhoun's experiment is still one of the most widely cited papers in psychology and has informed our understanding of how people behave in dorms, prisons, and other crowded spaces. It has become the stuff of dystopian fantasy in science fiction. Calhoun had no qualms about his own efforts to spread the ideas in the public imagination, even though he won himself many critics in the scientific community for his tendency to draw ominous parallels between his rodents and human behavior. But ultimately, Calhoun saw his work with optimism and belief in the resilience of human beings. He believed that just as he'd altered his mice's behavior by tinkering with the colony's physical design, humans could counter the effects of overcrowding by modifying their environment, using technology and culture to expand their world beyond its physical space. Way back then, he predicted that by the late 20th century, The world would be knit together into a single network, and scientists would have unprecedented means to collaborate, perhaps using interconnected computers. He called that global network a world brain. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. This episode was adapted from a story written by Frederick Kunkel for The Washington Post. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod. The Washington Post has a new daily podcast, Post Reports, hosted by me, Martine Powers. Every weekday afternoon, we're bringing you stories about the state of the country, the world, and how we come to know the things we know. Get it now at WashingtonPost.com slash Post Reports.